Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Well, hi, everybody. It's good to be with you. Before we really jump in today, I just have to mention one thing that was uh, just something to celebrate. Our man Stephen Thorne got married to Madison on Friday night. They're right there. There's the happy couple. We're so excited for you all. Uh, man, what a great, what a great thing. And we're just uh, happy for you and congratulations. Now, I also want, to, want you to look at the person next to you. Go ahead, look at them and say happy birthday. Today we celebrate the eighth birthday of our church. And, uh, and so we don't make a huge deal out of it, but we just like to celebrate these little moments. And if you're new around here or if you've been here since day one, you are an important part of this story. And so from the bottom of my heart, Christy's heart, our staff's heart, we love you. We love being the church together. God has been good to our church. Amen. And we are so, so grateful. I mean, I was expecting some birthday decorations today, but I think everybody forgot but me. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I mentioned during worship, though, that today is Palm Sunday, right? And I actually appreciate this day on the calendar because for me, it's always served as like, like a smelling salt. You know what I mean? Like, wake up, right? It's Easter week. Wake up. The resurrection of Jesus is upon us. And it is Holy Week, and Jesus has done so much for you. Would you agree? Jesus has done so much for you. Our salvation was purchased by his blood on the cross. We get to celebrate that this week. He was, he's reconciled, restored, renewed our relationship to the, our Heavenly Father. He has, he, we're just excited about this week. So excited. The lights are going crazy. This is it, right? That's what I'm talking about. I don't know if that was intentional, but it sure was, it sure was a holy moment. It was Holy Spirit inspired pushing those buttons back there. We're excited about this week. Be, be in prayer for Sunday. Sunday is a big day on the church calendar because it does give us the opportunity to connect with so many people who may not be close to God. And so be praying for the week and for the day. Of course, even be prayerful about who you might bring with us or bring with you next week, people who don't know Jesus yet, right? We believe that all people can come to know Christ. And so uh, we're excited about the week. Well, a couple things. Uh, let me just start with this. I want to start with our church vision statement. Uh, I'll put it on screen. Um, this is our church vision statement. To bring life to our city by loving God and living the gospel. This is, this is our church vision statement, and it has a lot to it. There's a lot of our hope in that to see our city stirred for Jesus. But we believe it all begins with this idea of loving God, that we got to love God or it's not going to work. This vision is useless without beginning with a group of people who, who love God in a way like we just sang with all my heart and all my soul and all I own, you can have it all, right? Come on. That's why we sing it, because we want to be people who are truly, fully devoted. We want to give them all that we are. We're fully devoted people. It begins by loving God. And so today, we want to say, hey, Lord, we want to live fully devoted. We don't want to live halfway devoted. We don't want sometimes devoted. We don't want to be, you know, 
lukewarm devotion. We want full devotion. And so as we finish this series, we go to a message today called Betrayed, Deserted, and Denied. Sounds very encouraging, right? You guys are pumped up about this. Well, don't worry. I do believe it will be encouraging because God's word always encourages. So let's start this in the form of a question. I'll put a question on the screen. Have you ever been betrayed, deserted, or denied? Have you ever been completely betrayed by a friend? You know, someone that turned their back on you, you didn't expect it? A friend who threw you under the bus for no reason at all? Was there ever a time when someone denied knowing you? You ever been at a party, walked by, they act like they didn't know you? Snubbed you? Maybe you were denied access or privilege to something. Maybe you were, you know, not invited or intentionally left out. Maybe made to feel inferior in some way. Or have you ever had a time in your life that you felt abandoned? Like you were deserted and left alone in the greatest hour of need? A tough time when you were vulnerable and you were thinking, surely my friends will come and check on me and no one ever showed up? Let me ask you, which one is worse? Being betrayed, deserted, or denied? Tell the person next to you, if you had to pick one of those three words, which one's worse? Tell them real quick. What do y'all think? I just need quick answers. How many of y'all think? Betrayed? Deserted? Denied? Listen, let's think about this. Would you want your best friend... Would you want your best friend to betray you and stab you in the back? Or would you choose that they desert you by completely abandoning you and ignoring you in your greatest hour of need? Or how about they deny even knowing you? Hmm. They're like, oh, isn't that your best friend? You're like, oh, uh-uh. No, don't know him. Stranger danger. Beeper creeper. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> is one better than the other? They're all pretty bad, aren't they? They're all terrible. They're all forms of the same thing. Absolute rejection. Even if they're one that may be technically worse than the other, they all cut very deep, don't they? They're all, they're all things that are hard to heal. And I want to begin this message with some good news for those of you who have been betrayed, deserted, or denied. The good news is that Jesus understands and loves those who've been betrayed, deserted, and denied. Jesus actually wants to help those of you who've been betrayed, deserted, and denied. Because here's the thing, if you've been betrayed by someone you know, someone you love, I want you to hear that Jesus understands what you feel. He understands and he's come to heal that pain. Also, if you've ever been abandoned, maybe left alone, deserted, Jesus knows what that feels like. And he understands you, and he's come to be with you. And if you've ever been denied access, left out, if you've ever thought someone that cared about you completely shut the door in your face, Jesus understands what that feels like, and so he understands you, and he's come to accept you just as you are. See, Jesus takes on our pain he takes on our suffering. He takes on our sin. He takes on all the things that have been done to us and all the things that we've done that have been wrong. He takes all of that to the cross. 
Do you understand this? He takes it all to the cross and he exchanges it for a gift for us. He exchanges it for eternal life, everlasting life with the Father. This is the good news of Jesus is that he takes all the bad and he turns it into good. The enemy meant something bad to happen, but Jesus said, I'm gonna take care of that and turn it into something good. This is the gospel, amen? And so for anybody who's experienced this, Jesus understands the betrayed, the deserted, and denied because he, of course, experienced all of those things. In the few days and hours prior to Jesus' crucifixion, those who were most devoted, the fully devoted, right, of Jesus, they failed him in their greatest hour of need. In just one chapter, pick your gospel, Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, or John 18. They tell the same story of the most devoted coming apart at the seams. Right? Right in the moment that they had the opportunity to step in and join Jesus in the greatest act of love ever given. So we're going to look at Matthew 26 today. In fact, we're going to be reading the Bible today. We're going to be reading a lot of the Bible. Here we go. So get ready. It begins with Jesus predicting all of this to happen. Matthew 26, verse 20. It says, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. This is the, this is the last supper scene. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. Everyone say betray. betray. They were very sad and began to say to one another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Then a few verses later in, in verse 25, uh, the, then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Now the treachery of that statement, by the way, Judas had already betrayed him. Judas had already arranged for the betrayal. And then he sits here and he has the boldness to say, surely you're not me, Lord. See, that's betrayal at the highest form. Then a few verses later, they are still sitting around the table. Verse 31, it says, along the way, Jesus said to them, before the night is over, you will all desert me. Everyone say dessert. dessert. Now listen, just to be clear, we're talking about the 1S type of dessert. Not the 2S dessert. This isn't chocolate lava cake dessert. This is the bad dessert. This is the left alone dessert. This is the abandoned dessert. Jesus said, you will all desert me with 1S. Verse 33, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. This is not good news. Verse 33, then Peter spoke up and said, even if all the rest lose courage and fall away, I will still be beside you, Jesus. Are you sure, Peter, Jesus said? In fact, before the rooster crows in a few hours from now, you will have denied me three times. Everyone say deny. deny. Peter replied, I absolutely will never deny you even if I had to die with you. And all the others said the same thing. Poor Peter always gets pulled out of the pack, doesn't he? Everybody else said it too. How many know that sometimes our intentions are right? Sometimes our passion feels real, yet our actions still fail us. We want to do the right thing, yet we do the wrong thing. And the, the disciples are about to all experience this before the next dawn. The very next verse in, this, in, in Matthew 26 is the story where Jesus takes the disciples and they go to the garden to pray. 
And and, and this particular story, of course, Jesus, he starts to pour his heart out to the Father. He says, it's not my will, Father, but your will be done. He's completely submitted to the Father. I'll pick it up in verse 40. He's praying, he's praying. And then it says, then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. He says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. They're sleeping too, God. I mean, come on. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, couldn't you keep watching, pray with me for one hour? This is the infamous scene of the, of the sleeping disciples. All of us have been there. You ever been trying to pray? And you're like, Lord, I love you. I just want to serve you. And you, anybody who's... Come on, let's be honest. How many have fallen asleep? Look at all you sinners out there. Golly, I didn't even get the question out. And you're like, that's me. I fall asleep when I pray. Come on. Why do you think we do nonstop prayer? Because we need to learn. I'm just kidding. Uh, this, this verse is actually one of the reasons we do one hour prayer here. Couldn't you keep watch and pray with me for one hour? This is why whenever you hear say, hey, one hour prayer, one hour prayer. This is where it comes from. Couldn't you keep watching pray with me one hour? So if you're sitting here going, oh, prayer's for someone else. I don't know if I can do one hour prayer. If, if you're not participating in non, nonstop prayer, I'm not, I'm, I'm not coming after you, but I'm encouraging you that you can do it. You can do it. I want to encourage you this week to sign up and to be a part of this because we're leaning in together into something that really matters that Jesus obviously cares about. Jesus cares about prayer because he knows that it's through prayer that we get relationship with him and that we have access to his power and to his presence. He says, without prayer, you're not going to get any of those things. But I want you to come into prayer, come into this intimate moment with the Father and learn how to pray. The disciples asked him one question that they, that they said, we want you to teach us, Lord, how to pray. And so they were hungry to, to have this intimacy that Jesus had with the Father. And so he says, couldn't you keep... So Jesus is in the middle of level 10 praying, and they're falling asleep. They're sleeping through the moment. Do you understand that? They don't really get what's going on, the magnitude of the night. In fact, Jesus prays again, and he says he comes back again, and they're asleep again. The story is actually one of, the, it's just one of those moments in which you realize there are so many things that we sleep through in life, especially when it comes to our faith. Maybe I should have just called this betrayed, deserted, denied, and a bit sleepy. It just didn't roll off the tongue quite as well. But they're in the garden. So this scene, they're in the garden. They finish praying. He's like, why are you sleeping? And then it turns up that Judas, Judas, excuse me, Judas the betrayer shows up with a group of armed men to arrest Jesus. And there's a number of amazing things that happen in this encounter that we could talk about. And I love talking about it usually, but I'm just going to skip to what the disciples did. Verse 56, he's being arrested. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Jesus told them this was happening. They're like, surely not me, Lord. So Jesus is arrested. There's a, there's a series of events that happen between him and getting to Pilate, of course, when he's sentenced to be crucified. But one of the things he goes, and he goes before the chief priests and the elders, and they ridicule him, they mock him, they question him, they beat him in the face. And about this time, Peter shows up and he makes his way back into the area because I guess he decided, I'm not going to desert Jesus. So he goes to him 
And we know the story probably, but we'll go to the end of verse 69. Again, we're still in Matthew chapter 26. Someone, someone says to Peter, and, and it says this. It says, I recognize you. You were with Jesus. And in front of everyone, Peter denied it and said, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Later, as he stood near the gateway of the courtyard, another servant girl noticed him and said, I know this man is a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. Once again, Peter denied it. And with an oath, meaning with a promise, I promise. He said, I tell you, I don't know the man. A short time later, those standing nearby approached Peter and said, we know you're one of his disciples. We can tell by your speech, your Galilean accent gives you away. And Peter denied it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Contrary to the movies that we watch about Jesus, the disciples did not speak with a British accent. <laughs> and then check this out. And using profanity... He says, I bleepity bleep don't know the man. Here's the deal. I'm, I'm not making light of this. This is actually a really serious deal. But you got to be caught off guard, right? Like there's, here's Peter cussing against the reality and against this charge of him knowing Jesus. Think about that kind of denial. Isn't he your best friend? Uh, mm -mm. Beeper creeper. You know what I mean? Like, no, he's, he literally says, I don't know him. At that very moment, the sound of the crowing rooster pierced the night. Then Peter remembered the prophecy of Jesus before the rooster crows, you have denied me three times. And with a shattered heart, uh, Peter left the courtyard sobbing with bitter tears. Matthew 26 is, is one of those sad chapters about the state of humanity. The amount of rejection Jesus faces in this one chapter is staggering. Which, by the way, if you read the chapter, the very first story in Matthew 26 is the story about the alabaster jar that we sang about where the woman says, all my heart, all my love, I give it all to you, Jesus. It starts there and ends with this. This is why he understands those who've been betrayed, deserted, and denied. Because he's went through it. But I do want to talk about these disciples because they had completely messed up which to me raises a very interesting question for you and me. What happens when our devotion goes off the rails? <laughs> what do the disciples do now, right? They've messed up big time. And think about this. I want you to just really think about the story. Three days later, Jesus is resurrected. Could you imagine the news? They're like, Jesus is alive? I mean, this is... This is like, you talk about mixed emotions. They're elated, their mind is blown, right? They're like, he's alive, but you gotta think that shame and guilt rushed through their body because the last time that they were with Jesus, they were denying and deserting him. So what does Jesus do? What's his encounter with them look like? You know, if it was me and you, we would have probably done one of three things. We would have probably given them the cold shoulder, like, mm -mm, not gonna talk to them anymore. You ever done that? I'll show them I won't speak to them. Or perhaps we, we do some sort of eye for an eye, like, okay, you've inflicted pain on me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you back in some way. At minimum, we would have thought they deserve a stern lecture, right? You know, pronouncing to them how much they, what their actions have done, the kind of pain that has 
caused. So at minimum, we would have thought that. But Jesus doesn't do any of these things. Instead, he shows up and he announces peace over them. In fact, the first time that he sees them in resurrected form, he says, peace be with you. So he says that over them. He sits with them. He eats with them. He breathes the Holy Spirit on them, and then he opens the scriptures to them, and he starts to tell them about why he had to die and be resurrected so they have greater understanding of the scriptures. He goes goes to Peter. He has breakfast with them. He restores them. He tells them, hey, I want you to not only take care of my sheep. I want you to, to lead my church. He restores Peter to his position. He even takes care of the doubters. He goes to Thomas and says, I know you're having a hard time believing, but check out these holes in my hands. And he goes to the doubters and says, "I I want to help you believe that this is real. So this is, how, this is how Jesus responds to being betrayed, deserted, and denied. He goes and he brings peace. And he invites people back into fellowship to follow him and to trust him. And he eats with them at the table of friendship. So back to this, ta- this question, right? What happens when our devotion goes off the rails? And I'll put it on screen in this form. Maybe it's this better, this question. What do we do when we spiritually fail? Because we've all been there. Well, two things I want to share with you today. Because a lot of us are here and we're faking it. And we're walking in shame and guilt because of a failure. And I'm trying to get you back to a heart of full devotion. That's where Jesus wants you. So the first thing we do when we spiritually fail is we repent. You see, Jesus completely forgives all of those who repent. Jesus forgives, and he's willing to forgive all those who repent with no questions asked, absolute forgiveness. But it's about a repentance, right? And 11 of the 12 disciples show clear signs of repentance. I want to talk about Judas for just a second, though. But Judas, he did show evidence of something. He showed evidence of remorse for what he did, if you know the story. And he wanted to fix it by restitution. And what that means is, he felt bad about what he did, so he went and tried to throw the money back to the, you remember that? He threw the, he threw the coins back, he threw the money back, he didn't want it anymore. And then he felt so bad and so much guilt that he went and he killed himself, thinking that somehow that would make up for what he did. But I just want you to know that remorse and restitution does not work with God. That's why he sent Jesus, so that we can have grace and mercy through repentance. Are you right? Are you with me? So Jesus is about forgiveness. That's what he's about. Think about what he said when he's hanging on the cross. He says this in Luke 22, 34. It says, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Don't you know that Peter, his heart was shattered? Remember that verse? Don't you think he recalled the conversation, though, that he had had with Jesus in Matthew 18 when it said this? Then Peter, he asked Jesus a question. He came up to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Is that enough? That eighth time? And Jesus answered, I tell you, it's not seven times, but 70 times seven. That's how many times I want you to forgive them. So what do we do when we spiritually fail? Well, first we repent and receive the forgiveness. And second, the second thing is we return. We can fully return to him, fully devoted. And the disciples immediately return to being fully devoted. We know this because basically everything Jesus says to do from this point forward, they do. As you do when someone is resurrected, hanging out with you. You're like, whatever you say. Whatever you say, Jesus, I'm in. 
So this is actually really big though. It doesn't seem that big just to say, oh, you return. But this is like skyscraper big because here it is. Pay attention to this returning by the disciples because most people will really struggle to return to full devotion after they've messed up or even if they've created some distance between them and the Father. Returning is a hard thing to do. Let me put it this way. Have you ever messed up with a really good friend? The relationship has been broken. Is it hard to return to the way it was? I've seen way too many people who love Jesus and they, they experience some sort of setback, some sort of failure, some sort of mess up. And, and then somehow in their faith, they never return to the way it used to be. They don't have the same passion or the same service or the same generosity or whatever it is. And they feel like their mess up, which by the way, usually fails in comparison compared to what these disciples messed up as. But they feel like their mess up puts them in some sort of spiritual timeout or some sort of penalty box. Because many times our shame and guilt block our view of Christ in these circumstances. And so what happens is we walk in shame and guilt instead of the grace and mercy that Jesus has given us. So even as a follower of Christ, someone who once was passionate, we allow shame and guilt to, to be like this barrier between us and the nearness of God. I have dear friends who over the years I've served with, done ministry with, been in small group with, went to church with. I mean, people that I just love and respect and they aren't in church today or they're barely in church today because they feel like they're somehow, somehow their, their failure disqualifies them from being accepted by God or by the church or even by themselves. So they just stay away. And the way we say it in our culture is, you know, if something hard happens or we feel this distance or we mess up or we feel shame or we feel guilt, what I hear people say is, oh, I just need, I just need to take a step back from things. I just... I just need to get some space and sort of recalibrate, which honestly is just code for I, this, is getting, this has been really hard and I need to just check out for a while because I don't really want to lean in and fix this. So I'm just going to step back. I've seen this over and over again and it breaks my heart. Because there's a wicked belief out there that says if you have a story where you've been the one to betray, desert, or deny or being negligent in your faith, well then you, from that point forward, are relegated to the cheap seats. <laughs> Don't get too close. And you are familiar with this, some would even believe that once you've messed up, and especially if you've messed up big, then you're out. You're out. There's nothing left for you there. You tried and you failed. You weren't very good at it. You weren't very good at being a Christian, so you should just stop because you're a hypocrite. And so you feel like you're disqualified because you know, I, I just can't measure up to what, what it's supposed to be, so why even try? Let me just tell you, if being a hypocrite is the only, if that disqualifies you, then we are all disqualified. Because here's the thing, we've all been hypocritical, right? We've all been hypocritical. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned may, way more than we want to. That's why it says in Romans 12, 20, it says, Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. This is what the disciples did. Their failure did not stop them. And this is what every person who's ever messed up, if you're here today and you feel shame or guilt, 
or you feel distance and you don't even know why or how you got there. Maybe you're online, maybe you're here, it doesn't matter. Maybe you just feel that way. And if you're being really honest about where you are with the Lord, where you are with his people, and you feel some sort of gap and it feels weird. The enemy wants to tell you to say, yeah, it's weird because you need to get away from it. Keep stepping back further instead of stepping into it and closing the gap. You see, Jesus came and he wants to speak peace over you. He doesn't condemn. Instead, he invites you to repent and to return. He breathes his peace and wants you to return to a deep relationship with him. And if you need forgiveness, he forgives 70 times seven. And if you're literal and you're thinking, does that mean 491, I'm out? He's speaking with exaggeration. He means he, his forgiveness is endless, right? It's endless. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Psalm 145.18 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. Hebrews 10.22, did I tell you that we'd be reading the Bible today? <laughs> we come closer, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood, by the blood of Jesus, to remove, remove impurity, the things that separate us from God. And we have been freed from an accusing conscience, no more shame and guilt. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. Man, that's a good word, right? In other words, nothing can or should keep you at a distance from the Lord. God wants to draw near to you. That's why Jesus came. And I love this truth that when we draw near to God, he will draw near to you. In other words, can I just give you some examples? Healing doesn't come at a distance. It comes when you're close. Forgiveness isn't something you have to wait your turn for. Repentance isn't something that it takes time. You have to go through a complicated series of steps. No, it comes with a prayer. Falling into the arms of God doesn't happen in slow motion. Breakthrough doesn't happen when you're 100 feet away from the door. Breakthrough happens when you're right on top of that door, persistently praying on top of that door. That's when breakthrough happens, when you're close to the Lord. Many of us need this message today, and I know this because this is the message of the gospel, which is always needed for all of us. But in prayer this week, I felt like this message would be for all types of people, meaning some of you are new in here, some of you have been here a long time, some of you are young, some of you are old-er. <laughs> some of you are leaders in the church in the past. Some of you are leaders of church in the present. And it's going to be for both of you. Some of you are on a serve team. Some of you have attended church consistently for years. And no matter where you are on that spectrum or somewhere in between any of those spaces, I believe that a lot of us are going to resonate with something that's said today because if I say, do you feel distance from the Lord? Do you feel shame or guilt? 
And like I've said, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here in the room today, maybe you're listening to a podcast, and I would just say that I just believe that for a lot of us, we need to hear this word, that Jesus forgives all, and he wants you to return to him. And if, there's probably truth in that some of us are at a place right now with the Lord that's not all that great, and you may not know how you got there, but I really want you to hear today that this message is for you, that God wanted you to hear this. So to close, here's what I want to just review. So here's what we know, okay? Here's what we know. Three things, I'll put them on the screen. The first thing we know is that Jesus understands and wants to help, wants to help those who've been betrayed, deserted, and denied. We know that. We don't have to... We don't have to question that. Jesus understands it. He's went through it and he wants to help you. And if that's you today, can I remind you that God sees you just where you are. God loves you as you are. God has you. But I want to outside, God understands you. God doesn't want you to live in that. He wants to set you free from that. Psalm 34, 18 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He wants to help those who are crushed in spirit. So if you're alone, he's with you. I believe someone in here needs to hear this today. This is one of the things we, we, that I believe someone's here to hear. The second thing, just reviewing again, Jesus forgives all who repent. If you've messed up, if you've been the one to betray, desert, deny, someone in your life or the Lord himself or his church, God will forgive you. But you know what? He can't forgive someone who's not sorry he only, repentance is someone who says, I, I'm sorry, Lord. I confess that I've sinned. And when someone has that heart, he never denies them his grace and mercy. And so I just want to say that there's no need to walk or sh in shame and guilt. And the third thing I want to remind us of today, we can fully return to him, full devotion. He invites you to draw near to him so you don't have to earn his favor back. You don't have to re-earn your stripes. You don't have to do some sort of restitution, any of that. So I just want to say, if you've taken a step back, I want to encourage you to take a step forward today instead. If you've, met, if you've gotten lazy, if you've messed up, if you've dropped the ball, if you've been negligent, if you've questioned things, if you got angry, if you've got busy, if you've got distracted, whatever it is, believe it or not, you can immediately and fully return to him. I, this is a strong word for me because I feel like so many people think, no, there's a period of time it takes for me to return to full devotion. I need a big, long on-ramp. You know, it's gonna take a couple years to get back to where I was. And I'm like, I don't know, that's not, that's not the gospel I read. It's, it's immediate transformation, it's change. He wants to bring about, he wants to put, turn your heart back fully to him. You don't need a spiritual time out or you're not in a penalty box. You are invited back to the fellowship around the table. What did Jesus do? He immediately, immediately said peace over you. He breathed the Holy Spirit on him. He sat down and he had a meal with them and said, yeah, let's go. Let's get after it again, guys. Let's go. So let me ask you, which one of these three is for you today? I really want you to consider that question. Is there one of those that you needed to hear today? I mean, I, I know there's always the, the example of all three or the example, I need two of the three or one of the three. And some of you are saying, I think I'm good with all of the three. Praise God if you are, but I just wanna ask, because I feel it's for a lot of people today, which, which one of those 
do you need today? And I really want you to consider that as we pray and respond today to his word and to his story and to the message of the gospel. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Remember, Jesus understands you. If today you need to just resonate or respond to this idea that Jesus wants to help those who've been betrayed, deserted, and denied, I just want you to kind of just say that in your heart, like that's what I need today. Or if it's that Jesus forgives all those who repent and you feel like I need his forgiveness and I need to repent of some things, if that's you. Or if you're more in that space of, wow, I just need to fully return to him. I need to fully return to him that's where you're at today. I want you to just in your heart, just resonate with that, own that. Today, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and move. We, we just pray that this altar, Father, is, is a place of safety and sanctuary that we could come and we can just pour our hearts out in repentance to you. That we can come and draw near to you today, Father. That, Lord, you want to draw near to us. And so, Father, we just, we just want that to happen today as a congregation, as an individual in this room, whatever it is, Father, we just want to draw near to you. So in a moment, you can come and you can just fill up this altar space that we create to just say, Lord, I want to fall at your feet. I want to step back in. Jesus forgives all who repent. You can return to him in your heart today. So when I was praying this week, I felt a couple things. I just want you to hear these things. There are two things that I I felt like God especially put on my heart. The first one is to leaders in the church, past and present. And I say past with a lot of respect and hope that you'll be a present leader again. But if that's who you would say you have been or that you are, God doesn't want you to carry shame or guilt. He doesn't want that for anybody, but I felt like there's a specific word to leaders. He wants you to return fully to him that you've been feeling shame or guilt, but it's time to put that behind you and to simply return to full devotion. Don't worry about what others think. Go and please your father. The second thing that God put in my heart today is sort of a little sidebar to this message, but someone needs to hear this today. I felt the second word was healing doesn't come at a distance. It happens when we are near. Healing doesn't come at a distance. It happens when we are near. And I just felt like that would mean something to someone today. And if you need healing today, he wants you to draw near to him. Today may be the day that you come and receive prayer as a way of drawing near. Allow someone to pray over you and pray healing for you, maybe a physical healing or a spiritual healing. Someone needed to hear that today. And then the last thing I would say is if you would say, I don't, I think I can return to Jesus because I've never actually been with Jesus and you've never been all in with God. Perhaps you've kind of been around God, but you've never had anybody in your life that's been all in with God. So you've always felt a little bit uh, kind of a spiritual unknown factor in your life. And maybe you've never had the chance to really get to know him, but I just want to say just in the way that we can return, we can come to him. We can come to him right away. He receives us just as we are. And if you've never been a, given your life to Jesus, if you never said a, had a moment when you've made the decision to follow Christ, I want to invite you to do that right now. And you can just do that with a simple prayer. Just repeat after me if you want to give your life to Jesus today. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that prayer right where you're at, at home, in the chair. Jesus, I give you my life. 
Jesus, I give you my life. Just say that and mean it. And then let's confess our sins. Say, I, I ask for forgiveness of my sin. Just pray that. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I commit my life to you. Just pray that. I commit my life to you. Thank you, God, for saving me. Just pray that. Thank you, God, for saving me. See, this prayer is a moment in which you're making the decision to say, Lord, I want to follow you the rest of my life. So, Jesus, I give you my life. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I commit my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you just prayed that prayer, I just want to say a prayer for you. Everyone's heads are bowed. And, but if you just prayed that, would you just lift your hand real quick? Just around the room. If you just prayed that, I see a couple hands. That's good. That's good. Father, I just want to pray for anybody who just prayed that prayer. Would you seal this moment in their heart? They never, they never have to worry or fear again that you, they have eternity with you. And so, Lord, I seal, seal their commitment in their heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you all stand together? We're going to celebrate, but we're also going to just worship. We're going to have a time of response. So as we sing, this altar's open. Our prayer team is here. They would love to pray with anybody. If you need healing today or you just want to talk with someone, if you say, hey, I need you to pray over me, just go to a prayer team member. Or if you just want to come and pray at the altar, you can come and, and bow in his presence as we sing this song and just give this time to him. Let's just worship and respond to his word. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.